Well, Namara, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I can't complain. It's a good Saturday. Yes. Um, how, how's life? Good. Yeah? Yeah. The weather's good. It is good. Actually, <laughs> for December, yeah. it is beautiful. Especially, I'm from New Jersey compared to that. This is like, amazing. It's amazing. Um, so, we'll get started with uh, who you are and what it is you do here at Redemption. Well, my name is Melinda, mm-hmm. and I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And what that means is um, people who need to get either diagnosed or have treatment for mood disorders, um, trauma disorders, that kind of stuff, they um, come to us, and then we help manage their medication. Cool. And then um, I want to get into later... Uh, everything that looks like, who you treat, all of that. But I want to start uh, with you and who you are. Um, So where are you from originally? Are you from Arizona? I'm not. I actually uh, grew up in Minnesota Mm -hmm. um, since I was eight. Cool. And then I graduated from the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And then how did you transition over here? So getting my bachelor's degree, um, my nursing degree, my BSN, our senior year at University of Minnesota, one of my friends in a lecture just kind of leaned over and said, hey, Melinda, after graduation, you want to move to Arizona? Mm-hmm. And I leaned back and I said, sure, I'm kind of sick of these winters. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's all it is. <laughs> that's all it is. So we um, flew down mm-hmm. uh, before graduation, actually, and um, maybe in April or something. And we visited some of the hospitals here, talked to some of the managers. I ended up asking a manager, you know, what kind of things they have, what kind of programs for new grads. And Mm -hmm. we interviewed each other, and (laughs) she says, do you happen to have a resume? I said, yeah, I do. (laughs) And I handed her my resume, and she says, well, when can you start working? And I said, well, I graduate in May. I take my boards in September. I'm going to backpack Europe for a couple months. <laughs> I spend the holidays with my family. I said, so how does January sound? And she says, great, I'll talk to Human Resources. So I, um, after Christmas, packed up, came down here, and that was, um, I graduated in 2002, so I started in January of 2003 Sweet. at um, Good Samaritan. It right. was, now it's University, Banner University cool. Medical yeah. Center. And how long were you there? About 15 years. Awesome. And what was it like? Um, it was great. I spent about two years on the med surge floor, mm-hmm. and then I switched to resource, where you come in every night and they kind of assign where you're going to be. I did everything. It's kind of like a floating nurse. It is. It's a float nurse, a float pool nurse. So I did everything from you know the emergency room, and I did. Um, postpartum, NICU, I did all the med surge floors, ortho, oncology. I was even a SWAT nurse fill-in, so if someone couldn't start an IV or get an NG tube down, you know, they just call me. You were the lady they'd call. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's super cool. And then um, what was the best part of that job? I think it was just learning everything. Mm -hmm. I'd I was a person who like ran into everything, anything, wound care. I mean, they offered everything. I got so much experience, right. and that really helps you in every aspect of nursing. 
and for 15 years, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So lots of experience. Yeah. Um, so I know you obviously eventually end up here at Redemption Psychiatry, but I understand you also worked at jail. So mm-hmm. can you explain how that happened and how that affected you? Yes. So when I was, the whole time I worked um, full time at Banner, mm-hmm. I also had a registry job where I could do as needed or what we call PRN floating around the rest of the valley. My um, agency asked me if I was willing to work in the jail. And I said, yeah, of course. So I started working there. And then eventually, I ended up kind of going full-time at the jail and as needed at Banner. So mm-hmm. I worked at the jail about four years full-time. And how did it... Did you like it? I did. Yeah. I did. What was it like working there compared to like a normal hospital? Ironically, you're safer. Okay. Because um, a nurse can only be with a patient with a officer. Mm-hmm. And in the hospital, a patient can jump up, run around, attack, mm-hmm. and you're just the staff. Your right. staff is just around there. You're, you always have an officer with you. So I actually felt safer and I could do my job right. and just concentrate on my patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what... Uh, what caused the change? Why did you leave there and opt for what you do now? So I was seeing a lot of our veterans come in mm-hmm. um, the jail from untreated PTSD, meaning they just wanted to sleep or they just didn't want to go to sleep. And I just thought, this is so wrong. We actually, mm-hmm. out of all the jails at Maricopa County Jail, there is one whole building just of veterans. Mm. That's how many, and um, I just, I just felt like they wrote a blank check of their lives to America, and then this is where they go. You like, I, right. I just didn't think that was appropriate. But the first time going through school almost killed me, so I was <laughs> hesitant to go back to school. Mm-hmm. However, um, a tragedy struck where a really good friend of mine from when I was all the way from when I was twelve years old. And then I was um, about 37, she uh, completed suicide. Mm. And when was this? I think, um, well, 2016, I guess, Mm. because it was right before our 20-year high school reunion. Right. And I graduated in 96. And then from there? So... I was grieving pretty hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I guess my biggest question was why, like, why? Mm. She was always happy. She's no signs. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I couldn't get over it. And mm. I think I just thought, well, then I have to do something about it. So I started my application to get my master's. Yeah. And so that's why I also treat adolescents because I feel like if I get, get them sooner, <laughs> you right. know, get to them sooner, um, then maybe I can prevent. Right. So, so that's what, so that's why you specialize in vets and and in adolescents. Yes. Um, what's it like working with those populations? Well, with the veterans, I feel like they, especially here in Arizona, we had a lot of media coverage about our VA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was on the news. It was just we were talking about care, and there finally was action that was signed. In um, you know, for law right. that they are allowed to go to community community care, care. outside the VA. Yes, right. and so I wanted to be there for them. So 
when I do have them come in, they they feel like they were hopeless, but now they're hopeful. Right. Because we have um, a lot of advanced treatments here. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when they walk out of my office, they have a ray of hope. Hey, you know, there's another option. There's other solutions, yeah. Yes. Because a lot of people, so we have ketamine and TMS here. Yes. A lot of people, I know before I started working here, I had heard about them maybe once. Yeah. Um, before and now, of course, I deal with them every day. Yes. Can you go into? We'll start with TMS. What yeah. that is and why you use it for vets? Yeah. Um, transcranial magnetic stimulation is just. Uh, most people are familiar with MRI machines. They use magnets. We use a magnet coil that just basically um, opens up the communicators on the nerves. So in the areas of the brain that depression, anxiety, PTSD, insomnia, lie, you can actually use those pulses to open those up so they Mm. communicate better. So my first thing I'd like to do when they come in, no matter what medications they're on, is start with the TMS and then ketamine also does that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I, I do definitely want to start with the TMS to see our baseline once we know when those communicators are open, how well the meds are working and if I need to change them. Right. And so when you have vets come in, um, have they usually been through the ringer, gone through a lot of other care? Some of them are Mm. shut-ins. They only came out of their house to come to our initial visit. Mm. And that is the key. If they could just come in for that initial visit. Mm -hmm. The rest I could do telemed. I just really want to get to know them and what their issues are so I can directly uh, have a direct approach to each symptom and know a better holistic care plan for them. Right. Yeah. And then what about um, ketamine? Ketamine is used... um, So with... Trauma, mm-hmm. we usually use EMDR, and we can get into that if you'd like. Yeah, but that, I'd love to, actually. Yeah, that you can get do outpatient. However, processing trauma is very difficult. So what ketamine does, it's kind of like, I think of it as a control-alt-delete for your brain. It kind of mm-hmm. like resets so you're not way low or way high. You're just kind of like in a space, right? like a blank space. And that helps to let them process the trauma mm-hmm. so it's not as... Um, anxiety ridden to get through it because mm. if I call it the trauma tumor if your trauma just sits there mm-hmm. it ends up like just eating you alive mm. so we try to process that out and um, a therapist can be in there with them or they can have a ketamine treatment and the next day see their therapist right yeah. mm-hmm. so what about adolescents adolescents I feel are going through a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think of their generation right now, they're the first generation to not have a childhood. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when I was growing up, I had a safety bubble mm-hmm. my parents made for me. And they could open that safety bubble up as much as they wanted to, according to my developmental stages. Right. The internet. Mm-hmm. This is the first generation born into the internet. I don't know what I would have Googled if I was 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12, but I know it wouldn't be good. And I also know that I wouldn't have been developmentally ready to receive that information. in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Then when they're trying to develop their sense of self, 
the social media like buttons come around. Right. When I was a kid, when the school year ended, I got three months away from my bully. Mm-hmm. They don't get that. Right. It's 24-7. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> when they're trying to like develop relationships, we lock them down for a pandemic. Right. So they don't even want their driver's license at this point. They don't want to turn 18 and be an adult. They are so scared of the world because they know too much. Right. Uh, video games, right? Mm-hmm. Adults are talking to them. You should never be talking to an adult yep. I because you're that. developmentally I remember, I mean, not ready. I remember when I was in middle school, so like 10 or 12, and I remember playing with uh, Call of Duty which is like, you know, a shooter game. And I remember one of my, the guys I played with, he was like 45. And luckily he was a really chill, really good guy. But I, I've heard stories from friends where like, they just encountered really, they encountered things that a 12 year old probably shouldn't have encountered They're in being, those voice chats. Yeah. And well, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go up to a 12 year old and say, Hey, you want to go play basketball? Like, right. That's inappropriate, right? <laughs> right so why yeah. is it appropriate online? To go play video games. That's because you point, still have actually. a different communication yeah. level. You still have a different development. You're using different verbiage. Right. And it was different before, like, voice chats and everything. But now it's like you're actively talking to them. You're There's actively no talking barrier. to your child. Yeah. And with everything that's going on with grooming, and, I mean, I'm not going to get into even uh, anime, a lot of they tried it wherever children are, they're going. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, think about their nervous systems. Never got, never get to relax. Mm-hmm. I always tell them, I say, you won't believe this, but when I was a kid, the five channels on TV at midnight. <laughs> played Saturday the, morning cartoons. Yeah, they played the national anthem and it was over. We had right. no communication with the world. And, also, social skills. I mean, I had to go mm. to my neighbor's house and knock on the door, and the dad might answer. So I had to learn to talk to every household member face to face. Right. Socially, they're just like really it's scared less, and anxious. Right. So anyway, I just kind of address all those things. Mm. How, how do you how do you deal with that with people who, with kids who are sort of having environment overload? Well, I do talk to the parents a little bit mm-hmm. about options. Um, there's great resources. I could put one on at yeah. the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that we have to take their world back down to their actual age. Right. So like if I'm dealing with a 12-year-old, I say, okay, let's go back to you just being 12. Right. You know, if someone's asking you your political opinion, you should just say, "I don't know. I'm, I'm 12. twelve. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, I don't care. Right. It's and not you don't my. Have to. And you don't have to worry about that. Right. You get to be an adult for the rest of your life. Enjoy mm. your childhood. Just like take it down a notch. And that usually they just almost you could see the relief mm. uh, go right off their face. Like someone understands. Yeah, their nervous systems never get to relax. Mm-hmm. And that's I think the biggest thing is we need to kind of. Let them be kids. <laughs> right. So we already talked about uh, ketamine and TMS. Mm-hmm. I know that you as a provider do a lot more for care than just prescribing. Mm-hmm. So I really want to talk about that. If you have, let's say, um, a suicidal teen come in, mm-hmm. what happens there? Well, I first explain where suicidal thoughts come from mm-hmm. because they're really not their personal thoughts. It's their reaction to their nervous system. So I explain, 
I always give education on the nervous system because mm-hmm. we all learn about our teeth, right? right. We learn how we like Exercise maintain them and, and right. we, we brush them. If there's pain, we're not scared because we know where to go. Someone who is the only person that can help you with a cavity repairs it. Mm-hmm. They hand you tools. You go and use those tools every single day for the rest of your life and your reward, you get to keep your teeth. Right. right. So what I do is I say, I'm going to explain what the nervous system does, mm-hmm. how it gets depleted, how we repair it, and how we maintain it. Right. And again, the light bulb goes off. Oh, it's not me. I'm like, no, it's not you. Mm-hmm. I, everyone knows about diabetes, right? Right. So I always say, if I had 100 diabetics in a room and all at the same time their blood sugars go down, mm-hmm. I would expect to see the same handful of symptoms in, say, a... Uh, um, a 40-year-old woman as well as a 14-year-old boy, right? Mm-hmm. All of them would have the same kind of handful of symptoms. Well, that's the same with the neurotransmitters. Right. So when I ask them the questions that I ask them, I just say, be honest so I can see which neurotransmitter isn't doing their job, mm-hmm. and then I'll either raise it, lower it, mm-hmm. and we'll go by that because I know which each one does. Right. <laughs> so they really like that. They really like that I'm talking to them on... Like a sincere level, a sincere, genuine level that right. I really want to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, what does what does that help look like? Um, okay, so the nervous system, I usually draw them a pie chart where it's mm-hmm. a little sliver of the medication. I explain to them that the nervous system is a communication system. Think of a two cell phones talking together and you have 5G communication. You can use all those functions, whether it's Netflix, Google Map, FaceTime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you only have 2G, you can't use all all of these uh, functions, right? Mm -hmm. So I say your nervous system is the same thing. And it's that 2G. And it's always going to do survival over comfort, meaning it's always going to keep your temperature stable. It's always going to keep, you know, your heartbeat and things. But you might not be so comfortable because it doesn't really care about your attention, learning, Mm -hmm. your memory, your um, mood, your sleep dysregulation. You can live without the comfort, so it'll always just use its network for the survival. That's all. So I know, so between teens and vets, yeah. I know you interact with PTSD a lot. Yes. Um, so I really want to get into that. First off, how do you catch it? Like, how do you know PTSD just from a generalized anxiety or just some general depression? So there has to be a traumatic event, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be experienced by the person. It could even be told by the parents, like, your grandmother died. Right. That could be traumatic. A divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, or it could be a combat seeing your best friend, you know, or holding right. him. So, but it, it doesn't just, have to be on the battlefield. Does not, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. So mm-hmm. they live with PTSD, but they think, oh, because I'm not a veteran who's seen combat, I don't have it, and that's not true. If the symptoms are there after a month of that event, avoiding triggers, flashbacks, nightmares, outbursts. Um, there's all kinds of things that we evaluate. Mm-hmm. And if those meet criteria, you have PTSD right. or post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Is there a screener? I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Is there a screener for PTSD? Uh-huh, yeah. Mm. 
And then is that sort of one of the tools you use? I actually just ask them the questions outright, but we Mm -hmm. do have one that we um, have on paper that they can fill out. And also the paperwork that they Mm -hmm. fill before they come gives me an idea of which areas probably are going to be something of a concern that I would like to improve on. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's a big advantage of them is like having PHQ-9s and you're going through the whole clinical history Mm Um, and like when I'm talking to patients, like it's one of the things I explain out cause everyone's like, Oh, I don't really want to do paperwork and I get it. I don't really want to do paperwork either. But the, the reason that we do it is so that the provider like you can read through it in advance. And then that way you guys don't have to have three one hour sessions of yes or no questions. You're Correct. up to date. You yes. know what's gone on, you know, what worked, what didn't. And you guys can actually talk about the the present genuine issue. That is correct. So when, if I didn't have the paperwork done, it would be a very long session. This way I go through it before. So I kind of can, um, I, I I do go over everything, but I just feel like I know what things I probably should focus on with our time. Right. Hmm. Very interesting. So, um, when you first joined Redemption, I really want to get into this story. I know we kind of veered away from yes. from that part of the conversation, but I just feel like I want to get back to that. Can you please explain how um, you found Redemption and just what the first year and a half was like? So when I was in my master's program, mm-hmm. I had to have a preceptor, which is where you follow someone who's in the field you're going to be in right. and the position you're going to be in. Mm-hmm. So I knew a couple providers already here because I worked with them at Banner in the mental health area. So I said, um, "Can I? could you be my preceptor? And they did. I had to do 500 hours or something total, but I just did a few hundred with these providers and mm-hmm. we did different areas in the valley. Um, but I really loved how redemption is managed and the people. Mm -hmm. And I worked all over the valley. I worked on uh, trauma centers where, you know, like where they had 12 floors, I would float all over. Mm -hmm. And every time I work, people say, Melinda, um, where's your favorite place to work? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, patients are going to be patients. That's why we're here. I said, everything is management. What either makes or break your night is management and your staff. Mm. And I said, I could have the best, amazing, easiest patients and the worst staff, and I have a horrible day. Mm-hmm. If I have the worst, most complicated, just taking so much out of me, draining um, amount of patients or something, but mm-hmm. I have good management and I have great supportive staff, Please great day, great day. Right. So when I... S- saw the what redemption was on the inside i said i want that so mm-hmm. when i before i graduated i wrote the ceo a letter mm-hmm. an email mm-hmm. and i said hey you know i i'd like to work for you and he said hey, well we're full right now we don't have any room for providers and so he says but i well i, I wrote back i said well can you at least interview me right <laughs> So I know you don't have any offices, but can you give me an interview? And so he's like, yeah, let me get settled. And in a few months, we'll interview. So 
Um, a couple months later, I sent another email. I said, hey, I passed my boards. <laughs> They're like, congratulations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so they ended up um, having me interview. And then I, this is just, they're so accommodating. They didn't have an office for me, so the other providers and the staffs figured it out. Mm-hmm. We have a great office manager. She would just went ahead and found all the offices that like days other providers weren't working. Right. And I just had a little um, suitcase on wheels, and that mm-hmm. was my office as the provider on wheels. Right, and you used their rooms? <laughs> yeah. And they were so great. The provider's like, hey, I don't mind sharing. Use my office. It's great. Absolutely. Until February. <laughs> Yes, February this opened, and mm-hmm. prior to it opening, um, Heather had called me and said, hey, you want to come pick your office? It's mm-hmm. like, yes, please, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I kind of bulldozed my way in, but there was a reason. Mm-hmm. I knew the grass is not greener on any side here. You know, mm-hmm. like most people bounce around, and I just... It's like I have bounced around. Right. I've been doing this for twenty years. I've been a nurse for twenty years. Like I know a good thing when I see one. So that's why I chose redemption. Cool. <laughs> I was gonna wait. Yeah. So, um, do you have well I guess first off, uh, where do you go from here? Are you here to stay? I am. I will be retiring here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm here for about twenty five years. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is where I'm gonna Stay and I. Th- the one great thing about redemption, and you know this mm-hmm. um, about the Fridays, is you have an idea. Yeah, comes to fruition, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, You're a perfect I, example. Yeah, I still can't believe that I had worked here for like four months, and I went to Dan, the CEO, and I was like, "So, what if we did a podcast?" <laughs> And I thought, there's no way. Like, at least I'll get, like, points for Spunk for asking. Yeah. And he was like, dude, that sounds great. Let's go do it. He's like, if you know how to do it, you know, if you're willing to put in the hours, I'll be right behind you. And here we are now, which is absolutely awesome. And their mission and Dr. Mm -hmm. Friday, I mean, they're just, they they care about patients. You hear how they talk about people. Yes. So, yeah, that's why I'm here to stay. Very cool. All right. Well, do you have any uh, final words? No, I think this was great. I really appreciate you. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. I adore working with you. It's so fun and it's so cool to see um, you always spending the extra five minutes, half an hour, hour on patients to make sure that they really do get the best care possible, um, which I really admire about you. Um, But in that case, thank you so much. Thank you.